Hello and welcome back to Losing Part of Me. I'm Teresa Campbell and this podcast is all about my addiction to alcohol and my journey to getting sober. In the last episode, I talked you through why I needed to get sober and I told you lots of kind of reasons and thoughts and stories that were all pretty calm and uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? They were all pretty factual, but not salacious, okay? And I think sometimes people want to hear, like, some of the bad things. They want to hear how drinking and alcohol fuck things up. And I have those stories. I do have some of these things. Now, I have to say, I they talk about hitting a rock bottom when you are drinking and when you finally decide enough is enough and get sober or for those lucky ones who are able to get sober I don't think I had that I think what I had over time was almost like death by a thousand paper cuts it was small and I guess what would be considered fairly insignificant I didn't do anything horrific I didn't hurt anybody other than myself or particularly hurt anybody obviously things like arguments and whatever pursued but it was never I never did anything outrageous however I think it's still important to talk about how it worked and how some of the things that it did and some of the ways showing up um drinking stopped or really did not add to my life Now, the other thing you need to know is I work for myself, so I didn't have a boss to have to go into work to. I pretty much managed my own diary, although obviously there were days where I had to do calls and I do have to do calls lots of times, or I have to appear on camera because I do a lot of coaching and speaking. Obviously, I did a lot of speaking in person before COVID as well. So there are things that made this, I guess, a lot easier. Also, I drank at home, so it wasn't like I was going out every night. So there are definitely things that didn't make it as horrific as it could have been by just how my life was. In the last episode, I did talk you through the amount that we drank. Um, So if you didn't catch that, then you might want to go back and just listen to that. The reason I think so many people are in sort of really put their focus in the amount is because they're trying to get a gauge. I think this is the one of the tricky things about alcohol in general and what they class as alcoholics is people's view of an alcoholic is not a 40 something year old mum of a 14 year old and two grown up stepchildren uh, who has her own business. That isn't necessarily what people view. And I get that. I think we're brought up to believe that alcoholics are men, weirdly, uh, that basically sit on a bench with a bottle of something in a brown paper bag. And like I said, I don't like using the term alcoholic. I don't think it's helpful. But I know that one of the things that people look to is how much did someone drink as a measure to see, did I have a problem or do I have a problem or do I not have a problem? And that was definitely something I did. But hopefully what I'm going to talk about today and what I'm going to show you today, as well as some of the, you know, I guess I could say embarrassing stories, but I don't feel embarrassed about them now because I just feel sorry. Sorry for that, Teresa. Sorry for her and understanding that she chose that way to cope and it wasn't a healthier way. So I will share some of those stories with you, but also hopefully give you an understanding as how it's not just 
okay, well, if you have four glasses a night, you've got a problem. If you have three, you're fine. Because it's definitely, definitely not that case. In fact, one of the things that happened when I first stopped drinking, and it kind of happened drunkenly a couple of times before that, is I had actually said to my husband, I have a problem. And I think I actually remember using the word alcoholic to him. And his response was, but you don't drink in the morning. And again, I think that is one of those misconceptions of you you don't drink in the morning, so you can't have a problem. But again, I want to explain why I did have a problem and how I knew. So let's start with my husband and I. We drank pretty much the same. So we would start the evening off with our gin and tonics. We would both have a gin and tonic or he might have a beer and I would have gin and tonic. I don't drink beer. Also, I don't drink any alcohol now, but um, I didn't drink it. And then we would pretty much match drink for drink until he would fall asleep and then I would carry on. But I would probably only ever have one or two more without him. However, they were unbelievably strong spirits. So why did I think I had got a problem and he didn't think he had got a problem? And it used to frustrate me because I I would look at him and think, how the hell can you not have a problem when you drink what I drink? But the truth is we went at it from two very different ways. He didn't drink that amount because he wanted or needed to drink that amount. He drank that amount because my therapist used to joke and say that we were like two children left alone having a party like we were we liked drinking we were good together drinking like we found that fun and you'll get to hear all about that in later episodes but we would encourage each other we were a bit of a nightmare from that point of view so so for me you know why did he not think he'd got a problem and I had so He drank because I was keeping the pace. It was my decision to drink at the speed I drank. And what was happening was he was almost like, I don't don't know how to describe, but almost like oblivious to what was happening in one way. Not that the man's oblivious, he's not, but he would just be taken along for the ride, whereas all the thoughts would be happening in my head. My thought would be, I can't wait to have that glass of wine or to sit down and have a gin and tonic. What would happen in my head, which I think happens with most people and certainly happens with my husband, is that it would, it kind of like flicks that switch of, oh, now we can relax. Now we can de-stress. Sometimes it's kind of, you know, I don't know if it's been proven or not, but to the point of you almost don't even have to take a sip. Just the pure act of making that drink or pouring that wine and hearing that sound has that immediate kind of, oh, now I can relax position with it. So he wouldn't be, he would love a drink to kind of relax at the end of the night, but he wouldn't be thinking, when can I have a drink? He wouldn't be making his plans around whether he could drink or not. I did always. I do a lot of things um, across the world and therefore time zones are completely different. And I remember having an interview in Australia that was something like 8pm on an evening, and I think it was on a Thursday, which obviously would have made it even worse because in my head, Thursday's virtually the weekend. I mean, I don't know why I say that because it wouldn't have mattered what day it was. I still would have been like, I want a drink and I can't because I've got this interview. But I didn't let that stop me. So I did an interview with a TV, uh, with a news station in Australia, having had two large gin tonics. Now, 
I've seen this interview back, obviously, and I'm absolutely fine because the truth was I was so good at drinking that I could drink a lot and no one realised and I never really was particularly crazy drunk. I was a bit drunk, obviously, when I used to drink a lot, but but I wasn't one of these people that literally couldn't get a word out and would fall over and nothing like that because obviously I'd built up such a big tolerance. So like I said, I wouldn't book things. I had... Um, I had to have a procedure in hospital once where they wanted to give me, uh, they wanted to sedate me. And they mentioned in the sedation that if they sedated me, I wasn't allowed to drink for 24 hours. And we were seeing some friends that night and I couldn't actually imagine what it would be like if I didn't drink with friends going out so I wasn't sedated. So I had a really uncomfortable, unpleasant procedure without sedation because I wanted to drink. I would be panicked every night that I had posted something on social media. Like I said, I, well, at one point I used to manage social media for other clients. Um, but in the last years, I don't, I don't have clients anymore because obviously now I just coach, but I would be petrified that I had posted something on social media. Um, and I wouldn't remember cause I didn't remember things a lot. I would be terrified. I would wake up terrified that I had voice messaged somebody because I liked voice message because I much prefer talking than typing and that I would sound drunk. So occasionally I'd wake up, look at what messages I'd sent and re-listen to myself. And some of them, I definitely did sound drunk. I would always take a drink to bed. Always, always. So if we had drank, which was most evenings, I would have a glass of wine or a gin and inevitably... I would go down and get a drink after going to bed. So I would forget what we'd watched on TV. So like literally have no idea what we'd ended up watching. Sometimes we'd have to remind ourselves. And I would often fall asleep with a glass in my hand, which inevitably meant either I spill it in the bed or it would fall off me and be on the floor and the contents would be on the floor as well. So, but no matter how bad it was, no matter how much I regretted it in the morning, I would get to about five o'clock in the afternoon and be okay. I would often be on about five hours sleep a night, if that. I would often eat gluten. I'm a celiac, I shouldn't eat gluten. I would often eat gluten once I drank because obviously what happens when you drink is you get to a certain point at night. And again, this would be at the point my husband would be going to sleep that I would get hungry, so I'd go get some toast. We would often argue, so we don't argue very much, we really don't argue now, only other things like kids, um, but we would often argue once I had drank because then I would get really petulant and the minute my husband would go, I've had enough, let's go to sleep, I would fight back and be like, no, I don't want to uh, go to sleep. Um, every night felt like a party, every night felt like I'd start with one and then I would end up, you know, wanting to go until, and I would joke that I would go until I fell unconscious. And I don't think that was a joke. I think either I used to fall asleep really flipping quickly or I fell unconscious. And like I said, there's a part of me that as I'm saying some of these things, there's a part that obviously is nervous and worried because I am sharing very personal stuff about me and my life and my husband's life. There's a part of me that is not shameful, is not sorry, because I know someone out there is going to listen to this and go in 
yeah, you know, actually I get it and I hear it. So like I said, it wasn't necessarily the amount because my husband used to match me almost drink for drink. It was a lot down to my thoughts, how I would let it manage me. If we went out and we drove, obviously I drank. There was no way that we would have gone somewhere and I wouldn't have drank and he would have drank and I would have drove. Just wouldn't have happened. I wrote a little list when I was, I've done a lot of sort of making notes and going through journals and things to to get ready to record these episodes. And I wrote a list in my uh, notepad saying things drink fucked up. And I mean, I don't have actually millions of these things, but you know, I'm sure there are loads more. So New Year's Eve, every New Year's Eve, we would stay in inevitably and I would drink too much and we'd end up arguing because like I said, something happened after I'd had quite a lot to drink that I would get very argumentative and I would pick fights with my husband, not physical fights, obviously, disagreements. And the amount of New Year's Eves we, I, ruined because we would argue and then we would miss New Year and then we would rewind the TV and do it again once we'd finished the argument. We went to lots of festivals. We loved music festivals and inevitably drank too much and missed almost half of every festival we ever went to. We missed the acts we wanted to see because we had started drinking so early on and drank at such a pace that we would get to halfway through the evening and we couldn't couldn't carry on. I remember one festival we went to and we started off the night, well, not even night, the lunchtime, actually not wanting to drink a whole lot. I wasn't feeling very well and obviously fought through it. And we drank a ton and we spent the whole evening there. We were right at the front of the festival. Uh, Tiny Temper was on. I can remember various bits of it. And when the festival finished, it was like midnight and we went, we were VIP and we went back into the VIP section to get another drink. Because obviously when you've been drinking from midday to midnight, what you really need on your way home is a drink to take with you. And the bar was shut and they said, but the main bar is still open. So we walked over to the main bar and they went, we sold out of everything. And I looked at the menu and they had Moet Champagne. And I turned to them and went, you're telling me you've sold out of Moe at a festival? And they went, oh no, we've got that. I went, well, I'll have a bottle of that then. And obviously ended up spending some obscene amount of money on a bottle of Moe, which they then opened and we carried as we walked home, barely drank any more. We drank bits of it while walking home. Um, Oh, the, you know very on brand for me if you know my business brand uh as in I'm joking it's really not um not to get absolutely drunk and walk the streets with a bottle of champagne I mean well at least I had a bottle of champagne and it wasn't something else but we walked back put it on the side of the hotel thing went to sleep woke up left almost a full bottle of champagne that cost me like 70 80 pounds and it wasn't even the great champagne um because that there was something in my head that I never had enough. It wasn't enough. I always needed some more. And even though I knew somewhere deep down I'd had enough and I didn't want any more, it was just the act of being deprived that I needed to have it. Um, 
one of the other things, I've got lots of different things. So one of the things that again was pretty bad was I did a work trip out to Dubai. I was paid to go and do some training with some really high profile businesses. And I was out for three days, I think. And the first night I had a bottle of wine to myself, which wouldn't have done much. Um, and I did the training the next day. The next night, I think I had this, oh no, the first night I think I had a bit more than that because I met a friend. The next night I had a bottle of wine to myself. And then the final night, which was I was flying home the next morning, so I technically finished my work. But bearing in mind, the only reason I'm out in Dubai and staying at that hotel is because I'm being paid and they're paying for everything. I go out with a friend and basically we end up drinking an obscene amount of alcohol. And to the point where my husband, uh, we have uh, Live 360 on our phones and my husband had tracked where I was and he used to go to Dubai a lot with the military and he knew where I was, what bar I was in. And my phone died in that bar. And obviously he went to sleep given the time difference. And when he woke up, it was the middle of the night for me and my phone was still registering as in that bar. Now, what had happened is I had somehow managed to get myself back to my hotel and get a cab. I remember at one point, these Arab gentlemen were very insistent that they take us back. Um, my friend lived really close to the bar we were at, so she didn't have to go very far, but I literally was the other side of Dubai. And thank God, even in my drunken state, knew to say no and politely, very politely decline these men. Um, and I got in a taxi and I'm pretending to be on my phone. And I vaguely remember this, pretending to be on my phone so that the guy doesn't know that I have no phone uh, or my phone's dead. And basically end up, thank God, getting back to my hotel, going up to my room, plugging my phone in. But for whatever reason, the location didn't track and fell asleep. I woke up the next day sick as anything. Um, I don't think I was physically sick. I just think I felt awful, nearly missed my flight. My husband went mad with me and he'd even give me a bit of a warning before we'd gone out there in terms of like, listen, just go steady. Just don't go crazy. And I'm like, no, I won't. I won't. It'll be fine. And I did. And I took a huge risk and I genuinely look back and think, wow, that could have been, I, I don't even want to imagine what could have happened. I had business trips in Greece. Um, the first time I went out, my husband and I on the last night, because he came with me for this trip, my husband and I on the last night drank. We had, uh, we were at beach all day because they always allowed me an extra day. So we went to a beach, we drank all day. We then went out for dinner, continued to drink. We then on the way back to our hotel had ouzo, foul stuff. Then continued to drink in the hotel and I vomited so badly that night the hotel room looked like it had been massacred. It was horrific. I was mortified and so, so embarrassed. We tried to clean it up as best we could. The next time I went to Greece, I was on my own. And actually this was in 2022. Um, so not far before I stopped. I think I, I think that was in like the October before I stopped in the January. And I honestly felt like I was out of control. I would go out for dinner and bearing in mind I was training and doing all sorts of things. I'd go out for dinner. I would drink a bottle of wine. I would then go back to the hotel. I would order another bottle of wine and I'd have a bottle of wine in my room and I would drink all of that and I would still be awake and I'd be thinking, shall I nip out and get another one? I mean, by that point, I could not see straight, you know? Um... I did a retreat in Nashville. It was it was a healing retreat and I didn't realise how 
much it would affect me from having to like really work on some hard stuff. And bearing in mind, I've been doing a lot of therapy and a lot of different things for years. But again, this was like in the October, November before I then stopped in the January. And basically because I had to confront my fears and I had to do hard things and actually look at my feelings, I got drunk every night. And it was a retreat. It was a healing retreat. It was a yoga retreat. We were up at seven doing yoga, which of course I was awake at seven doing yoga because I would wake up at 4am because I would be so drunk. I couldn't even go to something that was meant to be beautiful and healing and restorative without getting drunk. And there are loads of other examples of things that we did. And I think... One of the things that really started to tip the scale, I would say, and I debated whether to mention, well, there's two things. I debated whether to mention these two things and I've checked with my husband with one of them and he said, that's fine. And the other one, I just checked in with myself. So the first one is, as I went through my journals and I read through, which like I said, was the most cathartic thing in the world. I had a journal entry that, like I said, we would often forget what we watched on TV. We'd often forget like what we said to each other. If we argued, I wouldn't remember what I had said and I would have said some really mean and horrible things. But one day I wrote in my journal that I'd forgotten that we had had sex. That I had actually drank so much that we'd ended up having sex and I couldn't remember. And I reread that, obviously being sober and just thought how sad that was like really really sad that that was the case and I asked my husband and he said of course I could share it because I think it's important to share these things although like I said it's like I feel like I'm being stripped naked and bearing my soul but I think it's important the other thing that I was debating whether to mention but I am going to mention it because I think it was a really big pivotal part in me starting to realize that there really was a problem was I would, I've had therapy uh, now as it stands for about three and a half years with the same lovely, amazing human and I have it every Monday. And during that time, I think she always knew, well, she did always know that there was an issue with my drinking, but I would not talk about it a lot at the beginning. I certainly wouldn't have been open to a conversation about it. I wouldn't have even acknowledged that I'd had a problem out loud, even though at this point I was listening to books and doing a bit of discovering myself, I I just wouldn't have said it because I wouldn't want to have admitted it. And in October 21, I did uh, a month. Well, no, I tried to do a month not drinking and I ended up doing three weeks. And the reason was my daughter used to do a week on and a week off with me. So she would do... um, I would pick her up from school on a Monday and she would be with me until the following Monday and the morning I would drop her at school and then her dad would get her on that Monday. So Monday mornings were the last time I would see her for a whole week. And she used to go to a private school where they would come and pick her up. Um, There was a bus that we had to take her to and that would take her to school. So all I would have to do is drive 10 minutes to the bus, wait for the bus, drop her off 10 minutes home. And it got to one Monday and I couldn't get out of bed. And I had told myself and convinced myself that I was so tired. I'd had a terrible night's sleep a couple of nights previous. And I was so tired that that was why I couldn't physically get up. My husband was here, thank God, and took her. And I got on 
and obviously because I was barely compass mentis when she said goodbye, I couldn't really remember it. And obviously gave her a bit of a kiss and she left. And I woke up and I used to have therapy every, or I still do have therapy every Monday at 10 a.m. And I mean, terrible, terrible day to have therapy when you drink way too much. And Sundays were always a hell of a day, given that we could start earlier in the day. So I got on my therapy session and she, I was talking to my therapist and I said to her that I didn't take B to school that day because I was so tired and I really needed the rest. And Paul very kindly took her. And bearing in mind, by this point, we'd already had therapy together for a couple of years and she or at least a year or so. And she said, is that right? And I said, yeah, yeah, that's the reason. And she just waited and said, is it? Is it purely because you were tired and you hadn't slept? And she forced out of me in the nicest way that it wasn't. It was because I had drank too much. And that it is a really hard thing to say, even though I don't have the shame that I used to. It just makes me so sad. It makes me so sad that my daughter was going off for a week and the last thing she saw of me was in bed, unable to get up. And obviously we told her because mummy was really tired and she hasn't been sleeping well. And I'm absolutely positive that's all she thought it was. But it wasn't. It was way more than that. And, And I think that was... Well, like I said, that was at the point where I decided I needed to have a break. I never at any point thought I would stop forever. And obviously I didn't that time. Um, I just needed a break because it was getting out of control. And obviously I managed three weeks. And then before I knew it, I was back where I was drinking the amount I was drinking. So, like I said, I feel there is lots of emotions around telling you that story because one thing I try really hard to be and I can tell you now having been sober for over a year that I am a good mum a really good mum and and I was a good mum then maybe not at that exact time but I was a good mum but I had an addiction and I was ill and that was one of the points that kicked my backside to go there's an issue here but if you're listening to this and you're maybe not experiencing what I did or it's not as bad as that, but you know that there's something not quite right. I just want you to know that that was in October 2021 and it wasn't until January 2023 that I actually stopped. And one thing that journaling has really been amazing for is I've been able to see the 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 kind of progression in my journals as to how I have moved through different things and how it started to get more, I got more aware of how bad it was. I got more aware of actually this is a real problem and I started to really look at it like a problem. And that was because I was journaling and because I was getting some help and some therapy, but it took a ton of time. So I have a journal extract from uh, January the 12th, 2022. And uh, I just want to read a few bits of it just because it was interesting and to give you an idea of kind of some of the things that I was writing. Um, 
basically I write, where do I start? So this morning I did a meditation about my feelings and the main thing that came up was disappointment. I'm disappointed in myself and I let myself down. I feel annoyed and angry about that. So last night, fuck you, Teresa, was in full force. She is so mad because of the lack of progress in her weight loss. So I was trying to lose weight and obviously I was annoyed. She was annoyed of the good work that she had done um, is not paying off at the scales. So in true fashion, she wanted to drink and eat and she did. I had many opportunities to stop and say no, but I didn't. Why was that? Because I felt annoyed that I wasn't, that it wasn't working and I felt like I wanted something nice. And then I asked myself, was it nice? No. I drank and I don't think I even tasted it. I don't think I tasted the food. Uh, We'd already got food cooked and we ordered to take out and I've wasted money. I ate way too much and was not listening to my body. And then I ate more later for no reason whatsoever. I finished that journal article by writing how I felt at that moment as a reminder for when I decided that I would drink again, which was that following evening. My head hurts and I feel tired. My mind is fuzzy and my tummy feels bloated. I can't remember the programme last night and I can't remember falling asleep. And I wake feeling like I've let myself down. I'm disappointed in myself. I don't want to feel this anymore. All I can say is if you are struggling, this is a long, long journey. And I think if someone had told me that at the beginning, I would have not had any inclination or energy to get through it. But I promise you it gets better. So I will see you in the next episode. Until then, I'm sending you so much love. You've got this. Thank you.